Welcome to Kentucky Week on the Rocky Top Roundtable alongside Eric Kane, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubbs. I'm Austin Price. And guys, Tennessee trying to get back up off the mat this week. That's been the common theme. Um, this is a Kentucky team that's coming off a bye, but the last few years, Mark Stoops has not been that great coming out of a bye. No, he's not, and Tennessee's been good coming off a loss. I think all that stuff gets overblown, Rob, when, when you kick the football off. It's about can you do the things that you need to do to win. Now, I don't think you can dwell on a loss all week long, and I don't think Tennessee has, but when you kick it, it's about execution. Yeah, I do, I, I'm with you. I think too much can be made of that. I mean, although Josh Heupel does have a good track record of not stringing losses together as a head coach, but... I, I, so, oh, I think a lot more of that has to do with who you're playing, you know, coming off that loss as opposed to any kind of psychological things. And we've talked about it a little bit this week already, but I, I think this is a good matchup for Tennessee. And I think it's a good, a really good opportunity for them to bounce back against a team that, you know, they, they've had success against since Heifel has been here. Yeah, I think it's a really good matchup for Tennessee as well. Kind of the theme so far this week has been that snap and clear. For the players, talk about it like in the individual game. you got to move from one play to the next. It's kind of one week to the next. Leave what happened with Alabama and Tuscaloosa move on, and I couldn't agree more. I think it's a good matchup for Tennessee. Um, how well, we'll see on Saturday night, but of course we spent a lot of time this week already breaking down this matchup, and I think if you can stop the run, Austin, Tennessee's going to be in a good spot. Offensively, we start with Joe Milton, 175 in the first half, 97 in the second. Now, about half of that was in those last couple of series where you know, Alabama was kind of just keep everything in front of us and letting Tennessee check it down. But that first half, I mean, Joe looked how you want him to look. Yeah, he did. He played well. In the second half, I don't think the receivers got it open. I think Alabama had some nice adjustments, and they played more physical on the perimeter, which caused Tennessee some problems for sure. I think the question is, can Joe put Eric, can he put back-to-back -back games together the way that you want him to? And can Tennessee sustain drives against Kentucky? You look at the two matchups that Tennessee's won against Kentucky, it's been all about splash plays. It's been all about chunk plays for touchdowns big chunk plays to start the game. They got them on a bus last year. Uh, they had, what, two touchdowns and four snaps or something like that mm -hmm. two years ago. That's not this offense. Can Joe Milton and Tennessee's offense sustain drives for 60 minutes against Kentucky? And then obviously the big question is, once you sustain those drives, can you finish those drives? And it uh, should have been 21 to nothing at the end of the first quarter in Alabama. And of course, it was 13 nothing. How does that game change if it's 21 nothing after one? We'll never know. But you got to sustain these drives. Can you finish these drives? And uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Milton was a guy you can win a lot of games with the way he played in the first half. And again, Brent, I'm with you. I don't think he played as poorly as we might think in the second half. But the fact of the matter is you didn't score a point in the second half. And that's on your quarterback, your lineman, your coaching. That's on everybody. Um, you can win some games with Joe Milton. would like to see four quarters of that from the entire team. But, Rob, you take that in Lexington if you get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that first half, I mean, Joe looked like the guy that, you know, Tennessee fans everywhere had fervently been, been hoping to see, you know, all, all season long. He wasn't perfect, but he was crisp, he was confident, and he was getting help from elsewhere. And, I, you know, Brent, like, like you just mentioned, I don't think he was missing a lot of wide-open receivers there in the second half. It wasn't like he was getting a lot of help from, from anywhere. The, the offense didn't go, you know, fall off a cliff in that second half because of Joe. But, you know, I thought that was a good example of, you know, what we know about him. I mean, he needs help from elsewhere. I mean, you can't have a run game that's, that's not, you know, getting loose for any more than four or five yards of carry. You've got to have some receivers creating some separation. You've got to have some guys make plays for him. And, you know, there was plenty, plenty of blame to go around in that second half. And, and again, I, I, I would, I'll be surprised if there's a hangover. Tennessee's going to move the ball, Brent, on Saturday. They're going to move it between the 20s just fine. How do they capitalize in the red zone? It's something they struggle with. Why do you? I mean, uh, is it as so, simple as just less field, less ground to cover for the defense? Is it Joe's? I mean, you know he threw a beautiful I, touch pass to McCallum Castles, but I mean sometimes he puts such a 
pace on the ball. And I think it's everything. You know, I think it's reduced space vertically. It's reduced space horizontally. You got to make quicker decisions. You got to get it out of your hands. It's harder to run it. Uh, I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And um, the re you know, to be honest with you, Tennessee's probably got to dial in some specials. They probably got to have some of their two-point plays probably need to be red zone plays, right? Some of your specials you're going to have to run and, 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 and use some of those in, in the red zone because they've just been so inefficient uh, in the red zone. I mean, half as many, basically half as many touchdowns in the red zone through three SEC games this year compared to last year, but you had the same number of trips. I mean, that's six less touchdowns this year. I mean, that's a, that is a significant difference in the red zone. Receivers have to win more in the red zone, too. They've got to play more physical down there um, to, to body some people up and, and have a better shot at getting open. And I don't, I don't, I don't know the stats for this. I would need to look it up. I don't think they play with as much tempo in, in, in the red zone or in, inside the 10 as we've seen in the past. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's recency bias. But I, I don't think they're, they're getting – and hitting it with as much urgency and catch, you know, putting as much pressure on the defense just simply that way as they have in the past. And when you get a guy open in the red zone, we just saw it a moment ago, man, you got to got to make a better throw. I, I think we all can agree we'd love to see, uh, you know, Jacob Warren go up and get that ball, but uh, he did his job getting open, make the throw, and that's a different story. Also, I liked on that McCallan Castles throw, Austin, that you mentioned, it was a rub route. It was ran really, really well. It was zero coverage, man coverage, and, and I about said Hendon. Joe threw it to a spot, and he let McCallum go get it. Man, I like that in the red zone. Maybe if you see more man-to-man -man coverage, you throw to a spot, let your guy go get it, make a play. But something's got to change. they got to finish better. Yeah, they also got to run the ball better this week with the running backs. And you would think they would, right? I mean, it's just it's, it's not the same type of defense they've seen the last two weeks. Well, I mean, the thing that Alabama did a really good job of, I thought, in the run game against Tennessee's running backs. Now, Tennessee got them with the running quarterback. I don't think they were prepared for some of that stuff. But their defensive front didn't necessarily play in the backfield, but they occupied linemen, mm -hmm. and that freed those linebackers up to go make plays. And that's, that's the best core of linebackers Tennessee's played all year. So it was a lot of stalemates that prevented Tennessee – that double team from getting to the second level to create some of those gash lanes that we saw against Texas A&M. Um, and, and we've seen Tennessee with some other teams going. Again, I don't think they played in Tennessee's backfield that much. I think it was more, we're going to free our linebackers up to make runs into gaps, and they did a good job of that in the run game. It's what really good defensive lines do. And, and uh, gap integrity is something we spoke to some Tennessee players about early in the week and how that's going to be very important this week against Ray Davis. It's what Alabama did. They did a great job of holding their gaps and, like you said, allowing those linebackers to go east-west, to go north-south, get up there, and, and erase some of those run lanes. And um, Tennessee did move the football, Rob, very efficiently in the first half, but obviously you need to be you, you be you, and that's running the football, and Tennessee's got to get back to that. Yeah, I mean, that, that surprised me more than anything. I, I didn't necessarily expect Tennessee to go for 200-plus yeah. against Alabama, but to be held you know, under four yards of carry like they were to, to have – you know, to, to not have a running back with a, with a run of longer than 12 yards on the day, I, w I was really surprised at how they were, Alabama was able to bottle them up. Coming off a performance against Texas A&M, another really good defense, where you know we saw Tennessee, you know, dictate the, the line of scrimmage. They they never came close to doing that in Tuscaloosa. Defensively, it all comes down to tackling Ray Davis, shutting down the run game, and making Devin Leary, or as Paul says on the. Ball to Beast podcast, Devin O'Leary, uh, beat you, you know, with his arm. Yeah, and I mean, I think for Tennessee, it's it's a. I mean, Brian Jean Marie talked about it. It's it's Tennessee's eyes on defense. It's not it's not having that bad run fit. It's not giving up that busted play. 
uh, that, that they did, you know, that they've done. They, they were pretty good against the run on Saturday, except for a couple of runs. Uh, and then they, they, lost their, they lost the edge in the second half. They, Alabama got the corner. It was too soft of a corner on Tennessee's defense in the second half. Tennessee cannot allow that to happen. They've got to funnel it back in the middle, and, and this defensive line has to, has to play well, and the, the linebackers have to hit the run fits. Because this is going to be a little old-school football, Rob. It's going to be downhill and, and kind of in a box like you don't see football played very often. Yeah, and, and I, th I really think it, it plays to Tennessee's strengths this week because of, you know, Leary's not had the year that anybody expected him to at quarterback for Kentucky and has really struggled the last three weeks as they've gotten into SEC play. Um, you know, Kentucky had the one game, one game against Florida where they, they went off, they ran for 300 plus yards, and that's been the high water mark the last two weeks. Really, I mean, Georgia, Missouri, I mean, they're good defenses, but when, when the run game has not been there, Kentucky just can't score. And I, I have a hard time seeing Tennessee letting Kentucky, you know, have the kind of success they did against Florida that made them so, you know, just hard, hard to beat in that game. Yeah, Rob, you mentioned that Devin Leary the last couple of weeks throwing around 50% on the season. I mean, he's only at about 55% passing, and so, I mean, I, for one, thought he was going to be much better this year. He was one of the better quarterbacks in the country in 2021. There's been some injuries since then. Uh, but as far as, you know, the, that, that Kentucky offense, Austin, you mentioned it, or Brent, uh, eye discipline is going to be huge because they're going to have two tight ends. They're going to have multiple running backs. They're going to have H-backs. They're going to move some of those guys around. It's going to be playing inside and out, filling your gap and not over-pursuing because if you over-pursue, you're going to open up a crease behind, and Ray Davis is good enough to you know, speed through that crease and make you pay. So a lot of stuff's going to be happening, going to be playing inside the box, a lot of big boy football this week. And uh, again, I think Tennessee's going to excel in that because I think Wesley Walker and Jalen McCullough will be good against the run in, in that regard. Yeah, you go back. I mean, Tennessee's had that uh, tendency to get a, you know, give up a big run here or there. I mean, even just like the 25-yard run to start the second half Saturday, you know, I mean, you go back to the big long run that South Carolina made, um, you know, it, it, there's that. Florida. Yeah. Austin P. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a trend. Yeah, correct. So, can they eliminate that? Eliminate that? Can the, the the high water mark for a long run be twenty five and not seventy five for Ray Davis? Need, need to be better out of the half defensively. I think three of the last four games they've they've scored. I mean, that that's got to be one of the keys this week. All right, for Eric Kane, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubbs, I'm Austin Price, Tennessee and Kentucky, coming up this Saturday, up there in Lexington.